Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Identity Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Caleb, and I'm so grateful, as always, to welcome you here for this weekly show every Wednesday at 7.15 p.m. Eastern Time. Well, let me go ahead and bring on my fellow and lovely co-host, Tarek. It is always a joy to have you on. <laughs> it's, it's like it's one of those days you know it's just like, wow, yeah it's refreshing fresh. it's march you know we're gonna march right on happy Ooh. woman's month you know women's we're history gonna, month at that yeah we're gonna march right on i like that we're gonna march um, right on. <laughs> yes welcome welcome to march uh we're so excited it is march 10th to be exact here for our episode and we are so excited uh to get into everything for our episode today and again continuing March, we are focusing and featuring on many of our guests um, identifying as women because it is International Women's Month. And so we want to celebrate that here on the Identity Podcast. So we're very excited to continue our environmental and sustainability series, even throughout March and even into April as well. But let's go ahead and welcome our guest, our very special guest for this week's show, Sustainable Change featuring Alina Bassi. Hello, Alina. How are you? Yes. <laughs> it's everything's digital now, so we have to give you your applause right here. <laughs> give you your flowers right here. Yes, yes. <laughs> we need Alina, like a. How are you doing? Like a button. We need a. We'll get, we'll get a. We'll get a button. We'll get a button. <laughs> I have apps. Maybe I can download an app. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. It's. Okay. Um, it's been a busy few weeks, uh, but loads of really exciting stuff coming up. So um, yeah, feeling that's positive. Awesome. Yes, that's all, super awesome. So obviously there's a huge time difference, everyone. So uh, <laughs> we're all here. So I'm so glad she was able to kind of jump on with us and we were able to provide you with this on Wednesday. So uh, I guess I guess we can get started, Caleb, right? Like where do, yeah. you, where do, you, where do you think your journey has begun? Where's the seed, <laughs> since we are doing environmental <laughs> stuff? Uh, where has your seed been planted? Where, what were the first uh, impartations that led you to where you are now? Oh, uh, kind of a long time ago. So um, I think I remember like first learning about sustainability probably when I was 13 or 14 and um, remembering that it really stressed me out as a kid that none of us are dealing with this problem that is climate change. And we're all gonna you know be flooded i can't even swim so i have no hope whatsoever so what are we gonna do um and it clearly must have concerned me quite a bit um within those early teenage years because i then had to sort of i had a film competition that you can do when you're like 14 and everyone was making a film on I don't know, like getting their friends to act and stuff. And I decided, no, I'm going to make myself as a bit of a documentary and we're going to talk about climate change and what, what, what it is and what's happening. And, and it was a very serious take on something at that young age. And that definitely is a path that has really stuck with me. It's the reason I studied my degree. And um, yeah, so sustainability and the seed has come from a very young age. <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess I'll dive a little deeper into that. So it's, um, we've had some some people on the show that have had these like, I don't know, epic stories. And I'm not, I'm not trying to pigeonhole you into that, but I'm, I'm curious, like, was there some sort of narrative or something that you saw? I mean, did you see something that just didn't fit or were you very much more a global conscious? Because I honestly kind of connect with the, with this one, uh, Alina, because a lot of the, a lot of our guests have had these phenomenal stories. Like one of our guests was at the first Earth Day 
ever. <laughs> and that was really awesome. But um, for me, like I said, it's, it's been like a group consciousness thing, uh, whether it be recycling or just being from an in, 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 uh, in inner city. That's a quite tricky word right there. But just living in New York City, you see some of the most disgusting, wasteful things all over. So I'm curious, um, uh, where are you originally from too? We, we can actually shout that out as well. Yeah, originally from just outside London. So yeah. maybe in a way, being from a city was also probably the reason why I sort of felt the same way too. Right. Um, I wouldn't say that there was kind of a defining moment. It was definitely just learning about what was happening. Mm -hmm. And then actually when I was doing that film, um, I tried to create some footage. Um, and so back in the day, you take your massive camera and you go out and you try and look for something that you think is pollution. So my dad took me to Heathrow Airport uh, to film the planes. I went to a few local power stations. And so that was in a way seeing it firsthand. But um, yeah, I think there was no real defining moment at that age. One came later for textile waste, but we can get into that later. Yeah, we'll get into that for sure. And um, obviously you're like the, we're, I can't wait to get into that because no one else has been able to touch that topic. And I'm curious to hear what you have to say about that. Um, so I guess at this point you're going to uni, I guess that, that's where we've, we've skipped to. Uh, <laughs> you're going straight to college. <laughs> it's like straight from sustainability, straight to college. The pipeline is strong. Yeah, that easy? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so that's awesome. Um, also, I, I guess we can kind of tackle uh, where you are now and what excited you to start traveling. Um, and I, I guess we could make this an entire environmental episode, but again, this is March. So we want to just hear you and uh, what you've talked about. So we're going to get into, uh, the textile topic for sure, but anything about your family or, you know, what your background comes from and how that shapes you as, uh, culturally would be awesome to talk about. Yeah. I think I have a bit of a confusing background for a lot of people. Um, yeah. I grew up in a, um, a household that's, you know, my parents originally from a very small part of Northern India called Punjab, uh, but they're born and raised in Tanzania. Um, and then they moved to the UK. I'm born in London and now I live in Berlin. So it's a very international <laughs> upbringing. Um, I've taken from all the different cultures that I've been a part of. And um, I, I essentially, I mean, it's very common in our culture, I think, to kind of push education as being the way you get out of dealing with, you know, being a first generation migrant um, but from a first generation uh, migration family. Um, so uh, education was definitely something that was kind of encouraged. I then decided, OK, if I'm going to do it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to study something that I think is interesting. So. Uh, sustainability being the goal um, I thought okay if I do chemical engineering I could probably work in solar power or wind power and that's right. definitely good for the environment so indeed <laughs> and thinking about it now I probably should have done more research into what I was getting myself into because that was a hard degree and um, I don't think I thought about it enough at the time what I was really getting myself into, but it, it, was, it was really tough. But I'm really glad that I did that because that allowed me to get to where I am today, which is understanding the way processes work and the way mm -hmm. factories are developed and how any process goes from a small lab to a full on factory. And that's basically what chemical engineers do. They design factories. Um, so I couldn't have done this now if I hadn't done that. Um, so it's always not fun, right? Looking back and seeing the path and now understanding why you were meant to do this. But at the time I just kind of 
didn't really think about it and went to study. <laughs> right. That's awesome. So yeah, to all our um, our listeners out there, I I I encourage you to explore your path. Um, I think uh, just to give you a little background, so our listeners are coming from all over the world. You know, if they are, when they do see this, they'll comment and say good stuff. But you know, a lot of times we're trying to encourage people to move forward with with their passions, their dreams, or just how they could help. You know, this is not only informational but um, inspirational for what we do. So. Um, I think it's awesome that you were like, hey, look, there's a problem here. I see the biggest way to tackle it. And you went straight for the mountain with that one, which yeah. is awesome. I mean, you could have tied yourself to a tree or something like that. <laughs> it probably would have had some sort of effect. No, but I, um, I think I think that's awesome that you went that route. I mean, that sounds like a quite a degree. It sounds like you took some time to learn some very intri- intricate things. Is there a lot of uh, political aspects to that? A lot of lobbying that has to do with chemical engineering or tons of checks and balances that are i mean i know it's globally it's very different um we can actually touch on india as well because we we had a guest on from india that's doing some phenomenal work for sustainability there as well um so it's i'm i'm actually very excited to hear your cultural background being so diverse because because you're pulling from so many different areas um you're able to see things in a much more global scale than i feel like most people are much more pigeonholed onto what it is in in america so um, or Europe, or I mean, or England, or anywhere else in particular. But um, I guess I'm curious to see um, had what, how much of it was science, and how much of it did became much more legal as you've gotten past uni. I was, to be honest, it was mostly all science, and um, that's good. More math really than anything else. And my strong suit as a kid uh, was always. Um, maths and science so I was drawing on my strengths and also problem solving Um, so the the key thing you learn as an engineer is to solve a problem and it's one of the reasons why the skill set is so versatile so I was good at putting things together you know from from being a kid putting lego together and that being one of my favorite pastimes to then you know in a way juggling pieces and putting factories together is is in a way (laughs) a simplified version of it (laughs) so right yeah it it was mostly science um but unfortunately I started my career in the oil and gas industry and I didn't want to but you picky when you uh, are getting an internship or a graduate job you just take whatever you can get and that was what I could get at the time so I did it and I learned a lot from it um but it definitely didn't sit right with me because I knew that it was going against my kind of my beliefs Mm -hmm. at the same time you have to go through those times and kind of change jobs till you find the thing that you really enjoy. You're, you're not going to find it straight away. Yes. Yeah. So be encouraged, everyone that's listening. You just keep pushing. That's <laughs> what so we keep saying. Marching on, right? There's that pun again. Anyway, um, um, I <laughs> love it. No, I, I think that's that's completely awesome. I, from, from what I'm gathering just about your personality and uh, what we're talking about, you're very much you know, uh, very intelligent, obviously, with the maths and science like that. that that's that's hands down. Like you have a very few words today for sure, and you said very great points for sure. Um, but I think that a lot of it is like you're saying, like arm, arm yourself with the tools that you can to get to where you have to go. And I think that's mm-hmm. the best inspiration that anyone can really think about, whether it be traveling to a new place or finding out, you know, the lack. Of where you what what you do what you don't know and how you can help would be great. Um, I think my question is, 
for as far as sustainability in that aspect. After seeing some of the, the, the nefarious aspects, uh, we actually had someone on that spoke about, um, were you in England with the, with the oil and glass, bio, by the way? I meant to ask that. It was England, right. So the Fatbergs, uh, Caleb remembers as well. And we had someone that did a huge research paper and did all this stuff on Fatbergs. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious um, on your take on kind of the stuff that was happening around that time or and how much has that changed in England in particular? It's interesting, I think. Um... Now that I'm in Berlin, uh, I see things in, differently in the way I, th I saw things in the UK. I think Germany itself is definitely a lot further forward uh, or thinking ahead in terms of sustainability. So um, I think things were seen in the UK a bit differently. I remember working in the oil and gas industry and speaking to my colleagues. I mean, I was probably talking to the wrong people when I was saying it, but saying, surely we're doing the wrong thing. We shouldn't be working here. Or um, why don't we try doing some projects related to sustainability? Because we've all got the skill set. And it wasn't necessarily uh, taken in the best way. So it's funny how the mindset has changed so quickly. I think within the last few years, it was not yeah. what people were thinking uh, yeah. about 10 years ago. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> in our, um, you know, obviously Biden's, you know, one of his biggest voting, <laughs> I, I say that in the sense of like, I think that this is part of how he got voted in because of all these deliverables that he said he was going to do. So uh, much, much bated breath for that. But I do think on a global scale, climate change has been much, uh, much, much more of a conversation topic where you're not looked at as some sort of heretic or something that's completely crazy. Uh, I, I hope it's not because the earth is going through such a much more significant change, but that has actually become, because a lot of uh, people have spoken about it and done some phenomenal work on that on that front. So what what made you make that transition from oil and, and gas to, to switch out and kind of move on from there? So um, I, it's funny when I was doing it at the time, it was definitely not encouraged. Um, but I changed jobs a lot in the beginning of my career. I've worked in I think at least six different places uh, and as an engineer that's not common at all you would usually stay in your job for at least a good yeah. five but I I thought well if I'm not happy and I'm not enjoying it I'm going to move uh, life's too short to stay in one place if you're not happy so I just yeah. myself to keep moving we're going from a few oil and gas companies to eventually getting to one that happened to do energy from household waste mm -hmm. and so that was my first time uh, dealing with waste as a uh, resource and I think I already said to you I wanted to do solar power and wind power so of course it did yeah that wasn't what I was doing but I was working in essentially creating biomass and um, also looking at then yeah so then changing jobs a few times I ended up working in a really cool startup in London that would turn in coffee waste into biofuels so literally mm -hmm. collecting coffee from all of the coffee shops in the UK and mm -hmm. turning into solid and liquid fuels, which was really exciting. And as an engineer, I got the chance to help them design and install part, parts of the factory, which was just amazing. And this was like, you know, exactly what I wanted to do at the time. So long story short, I just kept moving until I found um, uh, the job I really wanted to do. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> Talk about recycling your energy, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, I'm gonna do that all day. <laughs> Please forgive my punch. Um, 
But uh, I love it. I love it. Keep it up. <laughs> this is oh, like this is yeah, my this is me. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> and to all the viewers out there, I appreciate that. Um, um, for sure, man. I I guess I guess I'll, I'll take a step back before that. So I think that besides the political aspect of it, I mean, gas and oil uh, are very lucrative businesses, and I'm sure it's lucrative mm -hmm. from the chemical engineering aspect as well. So, I mean, that must have been a big step for you to just like not care about the paycheck or like you said, or even go the same path as everyone else has, you know, I mean, that's a pioneer, not a, only as a woman, but also like as a chemical engineer that's, you know, in STEM research and all this other stuff. So that's, that's pretty, that's, that's epic, you know, <laughs> kudos to you for not being stuck in any particular way and knowing that what you're exactly <laughs> slow clap, right? Um, uh, for knowing what you want to get get done and get it accomplished. Um, mm -hmm. Some people do get stuck in, the, in their own process, in their own processes. And it seems like you just like, you're like, hey, look, this is not working. Let's keep it moving. <laughs> this degree is also really hard. Let's keep it moving. You know, you're just like <laughs> pushing it forward for sure. And I, I think that progressive is uh, the way to, to actually tackle these things. You also mentioned a comment earlier and I wanted to kind of make that a little uh, bigger, but um, kind of like this, like, this patience for change. It seems like you, you seem very patient with it. You know, I think a lot of people, as far as when it becomes sustainability or everyone that's early adapting now within the last three years want change right now, or, uh, you know, we want to fix things so recently, you're like, you know, get in line. We've been trying to do this since the seventies, you know? So, so I, I do appreciate everyone that's listening in. Um, this may be your first time um, hearing about this type of stuff. So I definitely uh, ask that you reach out and research some of the projects that she's worked on as well. So after you stepped on, stepped out of there, you moved to Germany. What year did you move to Germany? Is that recent or? Yeah, um, I'll be three years in May. Wow, awesome, awesome. I love Germany. I've never been, but my, my dad's been, he talks such great things about it. I mean, yeah. talk about the progressive aspects of it. I mean the engineers there alone, whether it be just the cars down to the buildings, mm -hmm. the, it's just designed like with utopia in mind. And I, I think that's, that, I think that's super awesome. So how, how did you see the change um, with the way Germany handled their sustainability or their, their waste management? It's super clean there too, by the way, <laughs> super clean. Yeah. Um, I think they've always been one step ahead and that's why it was in a way a bit easier for me, I think, to start a company that was, really quite abstract at the beginning uh, because people here are definitely so much more uh, sustainability minded mm -hmm. um, but I mean it's crazy they've been recycling glass bottles for years and it's so normal that when you finish a drink and it's in a glass bottle you uh, you go and give it back and you get your money and it's recycled. And it's just a very simple concept, but everyone does it. And this is yeah. not done anywhere else I've ever been. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's a whole system. It's called the Fund system. So they definitely so much more ahead in terms of uh, thinking about these sorts of things. Um, and that's what I noticed when I moved here. And there's also just a lot of support from the government, um towards like getting women in startups towards getting uh people to start state startups around sustainability so um yeah i think for me it's berlin especially is like a land of opportunity and the city itself is just full of artists and creatives and so much exciting stuff happening all the time it's just you feel inspired just to be in a city around so many people who are creating such amazing stuff 
Yeah, that sounds great. That sounds that sounds like what New York wish it was right now. <laughs> yeah. I might have to take a trip out to Berlin one day. Oh, uh, that sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's super great. I, I think, um, I guess this is a more opinionated question, but how, how do you think about uh, governments incentivizing um, the citizens to move forward um, with green energy? And uh, you mentioned specifically money too. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I don't, I don't know if that's why they feel like they want to recycle the glass bottles or if it's a moral thing, but it's a cultural thing. And I mm -hmm. wonder if changing the culture of how we recycle, the way, uh, the way it's approached is the best way to do it. I, I went out to Japan um, earlier, um, like when I was like 16 or so. It's been some time since I've been there, but they're also very big and very progressive in that aspect. I mean, the streets are clean. There's recycling on every street. I mean, into three to four different categories. And it's it's just it it shows when I came back to New York just how far behind we are, uh, just like how much we waste on a daily basis. It drives me insane to really think about. I can't even imagine. But given the pandemic and the things that have happened during 2020, everything had kind of pulled back. And one of our episodes, um, Caleb remembers, we mentioned how um, nature kind of took its 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 seat back when the dolphins mm -hmm. came back into Venice and all these other things. So I. I you know, I, I'm so excited about maybe what can happen now that we've all taken a step back from our carbon footprint. You know, are we going to step back into old habits? Or are we going to change cultural aspects in a, in a significant way? What, what do you think is the best way to uh, change the culture or the idea behind uh, recycling? You know, as, as far as, have you ever had a, this is a very non-sequitur question, but have you ever had someone <laughs> kind of ask you, like why do you recycle or anyway like what made you want to go into this like has anyone been like a naysayer to you at all have you ever encountered anyone along those lines in regards to textiles specifically okay. I haven't people ask why more do you need to or is this even right and that in itself shocked me because I feel as though if you understand the problem, then half of my battle is won. But if I have to explain mm -hmm. the problem about fast fashion and textile waste and where it's going in the world, then there's a whole education piece for me to do before I can even explain to you why I'm doing this. So mm -hmm. that's kind of what we do with Cladily. Um, we spend a lot of time writing blog posts and sharing information because I think that is something that everyone should know about. Everyone should know what their textile waste impact is on the environment. Um, and so we do this uh, regularly. But no, I haven't I haven't had necessarily people asking why recycling, just not necessarily realizing the problem is as big as it is. Right, right, right. So yeah, let's let's start about this entrepreneurship. Um, I didn't mean to jump over that so uh, so quickly. So how did that start? And uh, like where did where did that come from? Was it, did you see like a gap or did you see the funding there? Or like what, what made you do this? We have some entrepreneurs in our, um, our viewership and our demographic and they're always looking for something like, how does she do it? Like, how is she there right now? Like, you know, so we get these type of questions. So yeah. how, did, how did it start? Um, I started off, I, I, I think I kind of knew in the back of my mind actually already when I was in London, having worked closely with a young founder um, on the coffee waste startup um, and he had gone and built a factory and I thought, I just thought it was really incredible that he'd managed to achieve all this. And I thought I would love to do that one day. Um, uh, I would love to have my own startup, but I had no idea how the path was going to pan out and didn't think about it too much. 
Um, I was here and I wasn't really in a full-time job um, and I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. And actually, Berlin is not the best place for a chemical engineer. Um, uh, Germany is interestingly situated in a way that you have certain cities for different kind of uh, careers and Berlin is not the place for my skill set. So um, maybe maybe more so now, but not at the time. And weirdly enough, so as I mentioned, my family being very international, I was visiting some family in Tanzania um, in the end of 2018. And I had, because I'd worked in waste a lot, I sounds like so not glamorous, but I had been to lots of sites and seen like household waste where it goes food waste. And I've gone to websites seeing people pick through waste. Um, and having seen all of this, um, the one thing I hadn't seen was textile waste firsthand, but I saw it on the trip to Tanzania. And I think maybe it, maybe that was the kind of aha moment that, hold on a minute, I've seen loads of waste before, but I haven't seen textile waste. I'm seeing it here. Okay, maybe there's something around this. So I started, when I came back from there, I ended up doing a lot of research and a lot of understanding into what's happening with textile waste and how grim the story is. And I think that's what led me to founding Clarity because I'm the kind of person, I wanted to go into business, but I also know myself. I can't do something I don't care about because I can't just do it for the money because then it's, I'm not really interested. I have to have that kind of personal purpose. And this, I was like, this is perfect. I have a passion for sustainability. I love the fashion industry, really interested in it. And this is marrying those two things really well. So if I can figure this out, then this is a very good, like ideal thing <laughs> for me to go into. Um, so yeah, that's how it came about. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so shout out to that entrepreneurship. Like that's any keynotes for anyone that wasn't paying attention um, basically you cannot move with something that you don't have your heart into um mm -hmm. it'll it'll end up crumbling you know you, you'll be just as bad as the other waste management companies that she had looked at before who probably don't care much about the way that they're treating it and it's probably it's a lucrative job tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about the textile um things that you saw right before tanzania or in tanzania because I'm, I'm curious i have no idea anything yeah. about that yeah yeah i mean that is something i could go on about for a very long time for sure, for sure. i'm gonna bore you but I'll, I'll kind of like keep it to the main facts so essentially no matter how much we donate our textiles and we obviously like you know most of us do try to donate textiles to homeless uh, organizations or to charities um or to these like collection containers eventually 87 percent of all of it will go to a landfill um, where it will sit for over 200 years because none of our clothes are made from natural biodegradable fibers. They're made from polyester or viscose, and that's plastic. Mm. Um, and if it doesn't go to a landfill, it'll go to an incinerator where it's just burnt. And this whole thing just didn't make sense. I thought, well, hold on a minute. We grow the cotton, we, we produce the polyester, then we, you know, we turn it into a yarn, we pay people absolutely nothing to make the clothes, and we ship it halfway across the world sell it and then eventually it goes to a landfill anyway and that doesn't make sense and when you donate your clothes to third world countries um a lot of the time they actually don't want it they wanted it maybe when it was you know good quality stuff but now yeah. we're doing the, the primark stuff or the, the the stuff that doesn't even really fit us anymore and so it's really affecting their local ecosystem if you are a fashion 
um, designer within Tanzania, for example, it's much more harder for you to compete with local, um, uh, compete with the market prices. And what tends to happen is um, when it's in a landfill, it kind of gets into the, like this brown mush and it ends up polluting the local water supplies. And also, if it doesn't even reach the landfill, what happens, it will just be burnt on the side of the road. So it's just that we as developed countries don't necessarily deal with it. We might kind of pass that problem on. And um, this is something that we, it's definitely gotten worse over time as we all buy so much more than we used to. Um, And I think this problem is probably more of a problem that stemmed from the late 2000s. Um, but it's it's a huge problem and it's one that's gonna you know if we don't sort this out soon we'll end up drowning in in clothing waste (laughs) (laughs) what a nightmare that sounds horrible (laughs) wow that's that's really interesting and you said you noticed this in Tanzania uh, specifically or in other places as well Um, my first-hand experience was there but having come back here and then worked with different organizations and charities here I've spoken to so many people who have just said don't buy fast fashion and you know um, we work with this local charity here and their goal is to give to the homeless and they said that 80% of the donations they get they cannot donate Um, and then they have the disparity of most of their donations being from women and children, but they need to, most of the homeless people that they have are men. Yeah. So huge disparities and mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that they don't know what to do with. So they're happy that we partner with them because we say, don't worry, you know, give us the stuff that you can't give to someone. And I, that's really where we like to get our textiles from because I know at that point, it's not going to have anywhere to go. Um, so it's better that we take it rather than, taking it from maybe earlier down the production line. I see. So so your company is a is it built a factory. Let, can you tell me a little bit more uh, about what you do with your textiles once you get it? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's basically my question. Like, how does, what's the process? How does it go? So I mean, if, been, if you're able to share it, if you don't. Yeah, fine. yeah, sure. Uh, so I spent a lot of time figuring out, okay, what's going, what's happening in the world at the moment with textile recycling. What are the issues? Where is it going? Um, and I realized that there is a lot of work around fiber to fiber recycling, which is great. But the problem with this is that usually um, either the, the yarn that you get at the end is not of good enough quality. Um, and so the brands don't want to buy it. Um, or the fabric is made from blended fabrics, mm-hmm. which is very hard to separate. So yeah. we essentially developed um, a multi-stage recycling process where we break it down and then essentially stiffen it so that it ends up becoming like a hard plastic pellet. And that can then be molded into different shapes. Um, And with this, you can produce something solid. So for example, we've produced, the first things we produced were clothing hangers and other accessories within the fashion uh, world to kind of give something back to them from their waste and to replace the plastic that was being used to make those products. But we are, um, COVID has been a tough time for us because whilst we've had a lot of fashion industries interested, uh, stores aren't open. So uh, right. it's not necessarily the, the best time to have this sort of a startup. So we're, we are pivoting to a direct consumer um, eyewear line, which I'm really excited about. And I think, that I'm hoping that this changes 
um, people's perception on waste. Because I think if you can see that your sunglasses used to be your t-shirt, that I think that just changes the way you might see your item of clothing. Hopefully, mm-hmm. might encourage people to not just throw it away or not just not wear it. Right, right. That's awesome. Yeah, that's super awesome. You're like, oh wow, my my glasses used to be a shirt, and my shirt used to be pants. These are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, uh, yeah, go it's, ahead. Yeah, no, it really is. It's fascinating to be honest. Like, yeah, it's like your entire outfit could be something else. Right. Um, you know, your my sunglasses are my shirt, and my shirt was my shoes, and all this. <laughs> but but it's it's but it's it's a great it's something that's great though because it's something that is way overdue right it's something that um i mean this is kind of i guess my perception and thought of everything but this is something that should have been kind of being done in the first place was once this technology came into our hands right and and so uh something that's really interesting uh to me uh, about yourself alina is uh you actually have a current uh patent pending yeah, and so that's 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 pretty cool. So uh, mm-hmm. if you want to dissect into that a little bit, obviously, um, uh, we understand what you may or may not be able to say too much. But uh, anything you would like to discuss with that is really fascinating to me. Um, I think the whole process—it's quite crazy to be honest. Looking back, that this is even that I I have managed to like file the patent and everything. I the mm-hmm. whole process is a very complicated thing to get your head around and I am not by any means good at law or any of this so what <laughs> for lawyers who can can dice <laughs> um there's not that much that I guess I can really say about it at the moment other than uh, yeah the patent is pending and uh, we've also been really lucky actually that we got a lot of support from the state of Berlin to be able to fund a lot of this stuff because again mm, that's awesome it's so expensive to get this sort of thing done. And I think that help probably would have been impossible. That's awesome. (laughs) That's super, yeah, it's true. Like, I think that's been the biggest issue um, for for the reason why this hasn't happened a lot sooner. It's expensive. It's incredibly expensive to switch over, but it's one of those things that once we invest in it, it'll actually be cheaper over time. Yeah. So it's like, it's a catch 22. It's like, do we spin now so that we don't destroy the planet? So there's actually a planet for us to like live on later. <laughs> or do we, you know, do we just kind of like slowly incorporate these newer ways into it? I mean, I don't know how energy is going to be changed and all this other stuff, but on a much more micro uh, scale, the clothes alone, you know, that's something I know that I have not been doing as well i don't buy a lot of clothes so I, I'm, I'm not contributing that bad but, um, but i love um, how you put the caveat out there yeah i put that out there don't come for me no i'm joking i am curious though how do you how how do you plan on directing yourself to direct consumers or how can we market some stuff for you as well or like you know how can anyone be an affiliate to help out with you with your project mm-hmm. um so well first of all thank you i really appreciate that you that you are that's really kind. Um, yeah. The moment this uh, line is kind of not actually officially live yet, since I'm actually sharing something that's not really known, um, I think for everyone to kind of uh, keep an eye on all of our pages and yeah. we do our soft launch, then you'll see it anyway mm-hmm. on our Instagram. Okay, awesome. Yep, that's the answer right there. 
Awesome. Yeah, that's right now. So check her out there for sure. They're going to be doing some phenomenal stuff. Definitely keep her posted on anything that you want to do. Um, I think it's awesome. Um, so uh, fashion design has been through quite a bit of, uh, <laughs> of, of a turmoil, even before 2020. You know, all of those fashion shows that got canceled and all the money that's coming through fashion. Um, what do you think? What do you think about the future of fashion as far as sustainable fashion um, or just in general um, some of these larger designers? I looked up a couple of um, top sustainable designers and the clothes look great. You know, I don't know why people don't buy more into it. I wonder why the marketing isn't there and why the budgets are for uh, corporations that are not actually probably wait, uh, taking care of their waste the correct way. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, I think, I mean, a lot of it comes down to how cost effective it is for them and of course at the moment the, the system is just in a, it just works in a way that you produce and you overproduce and you buy absolute huge bulks of stuff and people are getting things now because i ordered it so i should get it today as opposed to this kind of slow fashion waiting for your item to be worn and it to be you know fully like perfectly fitting and for you to absolutely love it i think right. this kind of this um, passion for your item being perfectly fitting to you and, and making you feel absolutely amazing isn't there anymore. Um, I think we maybe see, or maybe we treat fashion in a different way. We use it to maybe feel, make ourselves feel better sometimes. Um, mm -hmm. If I buy something new, maybe I'll you know, feel better about this or maybe I'll uh, you know, wear a new outfit to this new occasion. And I think that, I don't think that, that is going to fill the void. I think maybe there's something deeper that we need to look into. So, but that's a whole other discussion. Right. Um, right. It's interesting though to see what's happening within within the sustainability uh, and uh, scene within the fashion world. So there's a lot of new um, uh, research and development around different fabrics, biodegradable fabrics, biodegradable stitching, um, and that's really exciting to see. I think it's also interesting for us to see that shift and for us to kind of you know, kind of firsthand see what's going to happen. And I think us as consumers have a huge part to play in this because if we demand it, they will deliver. So right. we just need to, you know, kind of be a lot more conscious of what mm -hmm. we're buying. And I think uh, just buy less, but buy something that's really, you know, the best thing you could buy. That, that one thing that's going to pass the 30 day wear test. <laughs> which I think is a really good thing to think about also um, and this is a pet peeve of mine I think we need to normalize people repeating outfits because I don't see why we have a different outfit for every occasion <laughs> I definitely get told oh didn't you just wear that the other day or something and yes I have a washing machine I hear you <laughs> yeah it's like he just like drops the mic I have a lot of things to right now. Uh, that's, that's, that's so true. I don't know where that, that culture has come from. I don't know what world they live in, you know, where everyone has this. And, and you know, what it's kind of getting me back to, I think, it just reminds me of, like, probably the first ideas of clothing, probably pre-fashion or just, like, sewing clothes together just because you need them, you know, the necessities of clothing rather than the idea of the aesthetics of fashion. And I think it's just going to get back to that. Uh, I remember um, there was a huge joke uh, that I, someone told me about a long time ago about just the future of fashion where everyone's going to be wearing these like uh, 
monochromatic beige outfits and everyone's just like futuristically in these onesie suits and i think there is something to to that um other than how fascist that may look but um but yeah uh but yeah i think um i think there is something to that uh the fact of this a lot of this is culture and i think that's what you've been tackling throughout this entire argument i mean you've done phenomenal leaps and bounds that may be a little hard a feet or a footprints to step behind as far as the chemical engineering and building your own factory and i'm sure we can get into a little more just other stuff that you do but you know as far as like on the on the micro level like you said you know change the culture change the way you think about your own life and how you can affect things on a much you know uh micro level it, it does have a huge effect because every time we are consuming or buying into these products we are supporting in that aspect so like you said you overproduce you buy this they're going to keep overproducing because they think that there's money in it as long as you're buying it they're going to just find a way to throw it away or you know whatever it is but they're going to sell mm -hmm. it to you in the process so if we can kind of create some sort of counterculture in the process to to kind of change the way we think about all of this i think that would be the most phenomenal thing that we could do over time and i think conversations just like this are what are going to change um, the environment and change the way we think about stuff. So I appreciate you being on the show for sure. in this yeah. time period, um, are you, is, is that all the projects that you're working on right now, or is there anything else that you want to share with us or? Well, as if I wasn't busy enough, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there is definitely an, an, another passion project that, um, I, um, I think having lived now in Germany and seeing how diversity is seen here, I think, here it's sort of seen with really more of a gender lens as opposed to an intersectionality lens. And okay. um, so I had been to a lot of events and there is a lot of stuff being done for female founders here. It's absolutely incredible. We actually have in Berlin, um, International Women's Day as a bank holiday. So um, wow. that's amazing. And that's a that huge is amazing. I think that's definitely the way forward, but I think there's definitely one piece for me that was personally missing in terms of the intersectionality around race um, and diversity. So um, uh, a friend of mine who's Nigerian American founder, she's also from New York actually, and now based in uh, Berlin as well. Um, we both did the Google female founder program together and um, had, we really enjoyed that because that was a powerhouse of amazing women coming together and kind of sharing mm -hmm. their experiences. And we definitely have um, supported each other with um, basically kind of any problem that we've all had within the sustainability scene. Um, and uh, sorry, in the startup scene. And having achieved this, Deborah and I thought, what if we had this, but for women that were similar to us, you know? So we basically found, uh, founded Tech in Color as a way to support uh, female founders from diverse backgrounds. So I think the American term is BIPOC, um, the UK term might be BAME, uh, here they might say people of color, but yeah, women like us who might not necessarily have, um, connections, first degree, secondary, or even third degree connections to investors, uh, friends and family with a lot of money who can support us with um, those first few rounds of raising investment. Um, we want to create a safe space and support for these women. Wow. And um, how, how are you doing it? Is it it's not for profit or how does it, yeah. how does it operate? Okay. So we uh, 
probably started off with, um, I think one thing that we both learned um, the hard way is that in order to get investment as a startup founder, you need to have the connections within the scene of angels and venture capital. And mm -hmm. so we realized that the only way you can get those is through having warm introductions, but you're not gonna have warm introductions if they're not within your network. So how can we, once we both overcame that, went to a lots, of, lots of events, did a lot of networking, get, got to meet a lot of people who supported us, we wanted to do the same for them. So wow. we created like warm intros between investors and founders, um, kind of doing this matchmaking thing and supporting them with that warm introduction. But, That's awesome. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. It's changing okay. to a this year. It's going to be some uh, potentially a program format. So there's lots of stuff going on for Tech and Color this year too. Yeah. That's awesome. And you know, obviously tech is, is on the, the up and up. <laughs> it's going to be super like, mm -hmm. that's, that's a new wave, you know, sustainability and obviously tech are going to be the new things that are becoming in the next five to 10 years for sure. And it's going to have a different face. Like you said, it's going to be probably BIPOC or whatever name that you may come, um, is it, including our indigenous and immigrants and everyone that have been here. Um, I think that, um, I, I think what you're, what you're mentioning is very cool because a lot of entrepreneurs don't have any idea how to go this route. And I think, you know, just you shedding that light on that and having a, a non-for-profit for that is just awesome. We, we, we had a couple episodes about um, what to do during this 2020, how to like make it. And a lot of it were entrepreneurs like, Hey, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm happy the nine to five stopped so that I can kind of work my way to do what I really want to do. But yeah. they had, they got into these obstacles where it does come from funding whether it, whether it be from the government or like you said, or Google or whatever, and they have no idea how to position themselves in the right way uh, or even write some good underwriting for those grants. So yeah. um, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate what you're doing. I think that's phenomenal. I, I definitely have to look into that myself for sure. Yeah. Um, is, what's, a, what's a way to reach out to you for that as well? Is that also through the Instagram? Um, unfortunately, we don't have Instagram yet. Um, so okay. through our website, Tech in Color, or just reaching out to me. Uh, really, at the moment, it's uh, kind of shifting from more of a grassroots um, to something a bit bigger than we had mm. actually definitely thought of. But um, we've just gotten a lot of support and a lot of interest. So really, yeah. we're really plugging into something that we both had seen, um, and I hope it has a very colorful future. <laughs> ah, see? I, I see what you did there. <laughs> very Props true. To you. That's, that's awesome, good. right? Yeah, yeah, that's good. We're going to end it right now. No, I'm <laughs> that's so awesome. Wow, you're doing such phenomenal things. So um, how's Berlin these days? Like, uh, like, what's it like? What's the city like? You know, we could take a little step back from that and come back to... Um, more professional stuff, but on a personal level, everything's been great there. I mean, how's the transition? How's 2021? That's where we are now, right? <laughs> Not, you know what, I, it's so funny. If anyone asks me about Berlin, I'm like this huge biased person who tries to convince everyone I know to move here because I think um, for me, it's been like the land of opportunity. I. I honestly could not have told you three years ago before I moved here that I was going to come here and start a company. And I was absolutely terrified to move here. Right. Honestly, like, I don't know the language. I don't really know many people. What am I going to do there? I, I was, mm -hmm. and it was a huge roadblock in my head. And I'm so glad I overcame that. 
And I think sometimes doing something that's completely out of your comfort zone, yeah. you realize, oh, well, if I can do that, then I, can, I must be able to do something else that's also really tough. Um, and maybe that's what kind of gave me the courage to start my own company. But Berlin itself is so amazing. Um, the, the whole vibe of this city, the way people think, how, how open-minded everyone is. Uh, you can just be you. And I didn't feel that way in London. I felt like mm. I had to fit into a sort of mold of uh, London. And here you, you can be you, entirely you, and you don't need to feel, um, you know, kind of judged or uh, thought about in a different way. Yeah, that's awesome. Definitely, it definitely sounds like a, a place that I need to check out for sure. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, it's, that sounds that's super awesome. So, how um, how is your family and how has your family taken all of your successes and stuff? Like, um, are they in are they in London as well or? Yeah, so um, I moved here with my husband, and okay. without him, I could not have done any of this. So I'm awesome. so grateful for him because he's he's been my rock in all of this. Um, he's seen all the ups and downs. Um, my family itself. Um, I think my parents are my biggest support. My parents yeah. and my sister, they're incredible. And it's so sweet. My mom listens to all of my podcasts. She's like, oh, I heard this podcast. I heard your interview. It was so good. Right, right. <laughs> of course you're going to say it's good, mom. You're not going to tell me I was awful. <laughs> um, but it's really sweet. It's so nice. I, I feel like it, the one thing I really wanted to do in my life was always make them proud and make them feel like, you know, when they moved to the UK, they did it for the right reasons and, you know, everything that they had to go through uh, and everything they did to kind of bring, bring me and my sister up was worth it. Um, and I also want, I always look back on the generations within my family and think, you know, hopefully they struggled for a reason. And if I can take that, you know, to the next level and hopefully my children one day would take it to the, another level, then I've done them proud. Yes. Awesome. What a great segue from February, you know, I know all of Black History Month and all the stuff that we hear exactly yeah. right. That's exactly what this is about. You know, we're, we're here to, you know, create our generations and continue to change and, and grow. I think that's super awesome. So yeah, shout out to great rocks and foundations and, and good marriages and good <laughs> families. You know, this is, that's the, that's the sustainability uh, in and of itself for sure. So um, I think that I think that uh, we this this will be adapted in a lot of different ways, but I wanted to give you your um, accolades as well, um, Caleb. So, do you have all of her some accolades that you mentioned? Definitely Forbes. Shout out to that. You yeah. know, I have the list. It's you have the list. Very right? long. <laughs> it's a long list, guys. Yeah, I wanted to save it for the end so that <laughs> she could appear very humble. But honestly, she's she's doing some phenomenal stuff. I'm sorry, she's she's going for the moon. So. We're going to support her along her perfect journey and her, her and her husband, of course, um, on, on their journey. Of, uh, but yeah, Forbes, right? Uh, what else we got, Caleb? Um, he's, are you still looking for the list? Yeah, one second, sir. Okay, no worries. <laughs> yeah, no worries. the Forbes. Um, I know she's a big advocate for STEM. Um, we have our multitasking. <laughs> So I didn't mean to put you on the spot. We didn't prepare this, all, all the viewers. I mean, honestly, we do have her in the room, so she can also, um, I mean, if she wanted I to. Want, I didn't want her to brag, but I mean, what would have been your favorite accomplishments? I guess I should have asked it like that, for sure. Um, Where you're like, they 
awarded me and they validated me for some great stuff. Like you seem a little hard on yourself about some of the like the, the best <laughs> things that you do. So I, that's why I didn't want to ask you because I know you're gonna be like, oh, none of those awards mean anything. We still haven't <laughs> saved the environment yet. <laughs> uh, sure. Like, oh my god, that's awkward. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. I, it's, I'm just sorry to put you on the spot. It. Yeah. <laughs> be the Forbes um 13 to 30 was absolutely my highlight I think mm -hmm. for me it changed a lot because I mean I think it was like this sort of weird external validation that people maybe started to notice what I was doing or take me a bit more seriously right. um and it hadn't actually happened till that point so weirdly enough it was kind of like perfect timing that that happened and all of a sudden people were like oh okay maybe what she's doing is quite interesting um right. look into that and uh, so it's weird that the validation has to come from something like this yeah but it definitely helped me so much um with um getting to where i am now that's awesome awesome kudos to you kudos to that man that's awesome so yeah, definitely check out all her companies, all the phenomenal things she's done. Um, I, I don't know, Kayla, do you have anything else to add or any other questions for sure? Um, I don't think so. I think we're good. Actually, I did have a quick question. How did you come up with the name oh, for your company? Um, so the name, like, Clyda means clothing in German. Okay. And um, I, I think because the company is born or the idea was thought of here in Germany. I wanted to do something that was related to the German language. And I thought, well, that's quite a cool word, Kleider. And it's not that international. Only if you're from here will you really know what that word means. So that's how the, the name came about. Not very exciting. <laughs> no, that's cool. actually really neat. I love, awesome. I love hearing, yeah. uh, you know, founding stories and something like that. And and I think a lot of us, especially in, in this generation, our generation of, of entrepreneurs, we're in a stage where we're constantly creating something, coming up with something, whether it be big or small. And so the name is what is the selling point, right? It's the name, the mission statement. And so um, even though it may not seem like, oh, it's, it, it's this cool thing it, it is this cool thing and, and no matter what it's 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 your brand and that's what you're creating and so no i think it's absolutely fascinating i think everything that you're doing is fascinating right. i tend to um I, i'm a listener so i tend to stay sit back a little bit during the show and i, and I tend to just listen and everything that i've been able to absorb has just been like wow <laughs> like like this is what i want to do but <laughs> like in 50 years from now, <laughs> you know, 50 like years, Caleb. <laughs> it was, it was just the first number that popped up. Okay. <laughs> Don't give me any crap. <laughs> so funny. It's been a long day. It's been a long day. It's going to continue <laughs> to be a long day. <laughs> so, so you have, I don't need to know. <laughs> you, you, uh, um, so you've, you've learned German in the process as well is what you're saying um not really and there's a lot of expats here a lot of people from the uk mm -hmm. from america mm -hmm. from australia etc and um i think we definitely the startup seems a bit of a bubble we all uh yeah well there's a lot of english speaking 
people within the scene and it's very normal even if you have uh, a very mixed team for everyone to speak English. Um, I understand a lot of German now and I definitely can speak it but I just don't think I can communicate uh, in a way that I know that I'm getting my feelings across mm -hmm. um, or maybe sounding the way I want to you know I feel right. like I probably sound like a child when I speak German so uh, that's something I need to work on and right. I have excuses so many excuses for why I haven't had the time to work on it because I've been so busy but really it's excuses <laughs> <laughs> Well, there you go. <laughs> nothing can stop you, Alina. Nothing can stop you. You know that. But that's awesome. Well, what's 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 a German word for for uh, sustainability? I don't know. We're, um, we're, we're have to figure it out. But <laughs> all the all the German guests that were listening definitely let us know in the comments or show. <laughs> it's not Haltikite. Nah. Yeah, again. <laughs> I'm not gonna try. I actually I was... am German, and I'm not even gonna try. <laughs> yeah, well, not Haltikite. Is... Haltikite, or something like that. Yeah, I tried. I'll definitely work on that as well. But um, all jokes aside, <laughs> we appreciate you so much for being on the show today. Um, I think I think we have to get Caleb a sustainable Hawaiian shirt. Caleb has a. Hawaiian shirt for pretty much every day and that's that's how he's it's a great collection so shout out to 34, shout out to 34. there you go my closet is full of <laughs> you're definitely going into textile waste there aren't you <laughs> oh god that's pretty yeah. funny prime example you can just use me as a prime example <laughs> i'm willing to partner with your company though and, and i'm yeah. willing to uh to be a, a sponsor, a model for you. <laughs> yeah, if you have any merch coming out, definitely let us know for sure. But yeah, thanks for, for all the listening and all of that stuff. Do you have any questions for us or any misconceptions about what you've done or, you know? What, what made you guys get started? Oh, that's Ooh, a good question. I can answer this one. Yeah, this is a, this yeah. Is a good Caleb question. Yeah. So <laughs> I actually, so we are founded from the company Find Your ID NYC, which is a creative marketing agency based out of New York City. And uh, I actually started as an intern for the company um, and was tasked with creating a podcast. And before I knew it, I, uh, we ha I had certain things that I was kind of like guidelines told to create. And, and from there, um, boom, here comes the identity podcast. This is what is created. And I got introduced to Tarek and, and uh, we hit it off. And next thing you know, it, we're doing weekly shows, um, talking about real estate and <laughs> talking about uh, entrepreneurship and COVID and just everything. And, and by, no, by November uh, into December, we started uh, actually an on religion series. And from there, we had we have very consistent statistics and viewers, and we were doing well, but it was the On Religion series that really kind of sold us, um, and we were able to go over the top, and then have since been able to create a good foundation for the show, and have continued from there. Um, so it kind of it kind of just happened, uh, thanks to luck of uh, possibilities for me, and then being able to be introduced to Tarek, and, and we've actually never met each other in person. No. Um, yeah, it's it's yeah, entirely. Never uh, seen each other. Yeah. I know. Yeah, it's all virtual or, or like phone calls and everything, which is crazy. But yeah. it shows. Sorry, go ahead. Say that again. 
You have good chemistry. I thought you probably like met. No, we've never met. Most people yet. think we've known each other for years. Yeah, <laughs> we've actually we've only known each other for like eight August? months. Yeah, yeah, it's, August, August, yeah. Uh, it's crazy. I mean, you <laughs> talk to someone weekly every day, you know, it's, it becomes, yeah, it's pretty much, exactly. it's, it's, I mean, it's we more text. than work relationships. <laughs> exactly, I mean, we text, we podcast, we email, yeah. we, we just call each other. I, I mean, we send like memes to each other. I mean, we, we, yeah. we do, we do it all. So right. I guess it's definitely become a, a, a good friendship and, and, uh, I I think it's 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 definitely interesting to think our, of our story and how we've come and, and now we're gearing up for um, months away from being a year of doing the podcast and uh, it started off as just this little idea that I was doing for my internship to uh, like oh now I'm getting paid for this you know right. <laughs> like, this is crazy <laughs> yeah and, and, and the stars that you think oh that's an ideal star that we want to have. Oh, do we have a guest that we want in particular, basically? Jack Black. <laughs> we said Jack Black. <laughs> we haven't discussed that. <laughs> Sorry. No, I love Jack Black. I love Jack Black. I um, do too. I think, um, you know, what's funny about that is Caleb and I are very, like, into meeting the non-quote-unquote stars of, of yeah. sorts, if that makes any sense. Like, um, you know, honestly, not. I mean, We've had some phenomenal guests on, but like even just having you from Forbes list, like that was the last thing I really wanted to mention because I think to the core of it, um, there are people that are doing things. And I think that's what we tried to get all across with the identity podcast. Like the the guests that we have met over time are very humble and very much doing like phenomenal things, but most mm -hmm. people don't know. So a lot of this has been uh, not only a marketing thing for them, but also they've been able to do a lot more self-reflection. You know, we were, we were able to pull them back from their professionalism and kind of see like, okay, so what really made you start for sustainability? Like some people are so stuck into the, the phenomenal things that they've been doing that they haven't had anyone actually talk to them in a long time, you know, on a, on a very uh, core level. So that's that's been our approach and, you know, our audience definitely loves it. Shout out to them. Uh, we have people from Ireland and all over. Hopefully we'll get some people from Berlin as well. Shouting out for them as well. Our fingers crossed. We want you to listen to our show. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, go ahead. What would you say? Uh, and some people from London, hopefully. And London, yes. yeah, UK for sure. I, I we definitely we gained a, a UK following in the past few months. So. For sure, for sure. Yeah, and we have our own little accolades as well. We got shouted out on some websites and some good things. But you know, the core of what we do is to make sure that. <laughs> People, people see how human this is and how experienced, you know, how human, the, it's just like how, I guess, if you put it in the perspective of the way you described it, I guess it's kind of the way we met each other. We've kind of found a way to kind of expand that out to others because Caleb and I have never met each other. We've had to learn about each other through this like sterile digital world that we've been dealing yep. with. And ironically, we started it in August and we were able to find out like, listen, like this is kind of the world. This is what we're doing right now. And and we were able to connect with people that were going through a lot or going through very little. And they were been able to express themselves and help others in the process. Like, it, you don't understand how much people like clamor for this show in the sense of just, just to hear like you talk about your family, you know, the little notes like that, you don't understand how much I appreciate you even opening up to do that, Alina. Um, so, Ooh, nice you know. Because to be honest, I've done a lot of podcasts, but 
no one ever really goes into that kind of personal aspect of things it's kind of usually very business mm -hmm. it's really nice to actually um open up a bit more and I think it's also because you guys just make someone on the other end feel comfortable so mm. definitely shout out to you guys for just kind oh, of thank you. <laughs> that person feel like I can open up right 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 well we I'm are we sorry go ahead oh you're good Okay. <laughs> um, we are really grateful for that. And uh, that's something that we always uh, tell our guests beforehand, like, hey, we, we, this is an open, comfortable space. And you are more than willing to talk about whatever you do. Or, and you, if you don't want to talk about something, you just let us know and we won't even mention it. And, and, that's, and that's a big thing that we pride ourselves on for this show. And I'm, I'm very grateful to hear that you felt that way, because that's something that when creating this podcast, that I personally wanted to stand out was I wanted to be different, you know, because as an avid podcaster, as myself, I have other podcasts, and also as someone who listens to a lot of podcasts, that's, you hear a lot of the nitpicky stuff, it's like, okay, this guest is on just to talk about this, and that's that, yeah. you know, we're just going to talk about sustainability and your your brand, and that's it, instead yeah. of actually talking about the reasons as to why you created this such, that, you know, all this stuff, and why you created the brand, and why you are in this place now, or maybe why you had to move, or anything like that, and because the identity podcast is based on your identity, right, and your brand may be a big thing of your identity, but there's more to your identity, right? Identities are simple, but they're so complex at the same point. Sorry, rant. Uh, and so the whole, the whole, the whole purpose of the show is is to for our guests, for our audience, and for Tark and myself to discover, understand, and reflect. Right? That's our new marketing strategy, and and it's and I think it's brilliant because we we are discovering our identities and we're discovering others identity uh, other identities and we're discovering identity as a concept as well as understanding and reflecting on it and it's a constant cycle one day i'm discovering the next i'm understanding and then i'm reflecting or maybe it's weeks whatever but the podcast itself is is here to be a gentle reminder that we are constantly developing we are constantly creating these identities and, and what's amazing about it is that there is no one set definition of identity right we all have our own concepts our own perceptions so today i'm going to identify this but tomorrow i learn something from the previous day i'm going to add to my identity yeah, yeah maybe you should, maybe you should do um personality tests or everyone should like say their meti letters when they come on the show yes, that would be so, i had to I actually was going to do that this morning because I, I, I don't know i think i changed my <laughs> like enfj or something at some point and i took the test again and it was it was completely different so really? like, enfja yeah, oh you know what yours is okay cool yep. Awesome. No, you do? Yes. <laughs> it's so I love meeting I love meeting fellow people that are in that a. I don't know if it's an A at the end or not, but it's definitely yeah. ENFJ. ENFJ, yeah. I know because some it depends. Some tests they'll add like an A or like a P on the end and it's like assertive oh, yeah. or passive and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm I know I'm I'm very assertive, so <laughs> it made sense. It turns yeah. out that with time because I definitely used to be an INFJ growing up mm -hmm. and 
over time I've had that slight switch over, but I think mm -hmm. I'm very in the middle. So it's interesting actually that you sh you definitely should do it again. Yes, now, yes. Or if it's been a while because um, it changes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, that's that's awesome. a great, actually a great idea. We'll definitely take that into account. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for the See, that's why she's got the brains, you know? <laughs> awesome. Well, I think, uh, I think this has been a, an amazing show. I think we can, uh, anything else to say? Uh, I think we're No, I am. I'm, I'm so thankful. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so awesome. I have met you guys. Thank you so much for having me. And it was really fun. Well, thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for, for being on the show, Alina. We, we greatly appreciate you and everything that you said, especially at the end there was, uh, uh, I, I am, I'm, I'm very touched like that. That meant a lot to me. Um, whenever we get something like that it means a lot. So thank you. Um, it has been an honor to have you on the show and it's been an honor as always to be able to host this show with my fellow and lovely co-host Tarek um i like to say he's lovely um, <laughs> you've been listening and watching the identity podcast we're very excited to continue our environmental and sustainability series and don't forget happy international women's history month yes uh, so amazing in march we are featuring uh, so many guests that do identify as such. And so we, we're very excited for this. And we have some identity exclusive stuff coming out too. So stay tuned for all the stuff. Lots in store for the month of March to continue. Lots in store for April. Just lots in store, right? Lots in store. <laughs> lots of things are happening. Um, as always, don't forget uh, to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, um, Twitch, any any platform out there. You can follow us at the Identity Podcast. You can check us out there. Um, don't forget to go ahead and find us on all streaming platforms and you can listen to us there, such as Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And as always, listen to Brick Media every Tuesday for a feature on Identity Podcast. We have merch now. You can check that out in all of our bios, including our Instagram bio. And if you want to sponsor us, well, you can. Email us at press at findyouridnyc.com and you can do such. Um, it is always an honor to have guests on. And, and Alina, you have been one of my favorites. I'm going to be very biased, but one of my favorites. Oh, it's been it's been such a joy. The accomplishments that you have, have had is, is amazing. And uh, to hear all about them and more uh, from you and, and to discover your identity, as I like to say, uh, was absolutely wonderful. So thank you for that. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. <laughs> well, it is a joy as always to be here. I'm trying to find the banner. Our next show <laughs> as I struggle through, our next show is March 17th featuring Garbage Gang. They're actually based out of California, really cool. And they are all about uh, sustainable practices with picking up garbage and recycling and everything. So I'm very excited. Um, we will have their CEO and founder on this show. So I cannot wait for that. Based out of California next week, as always, Wednesdays at 7.15 p.m. Eastern time. Check us out live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Pretty great stuff. Well, don't forget to also check out our friends every Sunday, our Roots Revival Interfaith featuring Reverend Reverend Ivy Rivera every Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, they are an amazing group of people over, over there, uh, and they are, are really doing neat things with uh, with psychics and with numerology and everything. And they're putting and creating it into a church and allowing you to absorb all this energy. It's absolutely amazing. Well, as always, it's a joy. You can follow us at the Identity Podcast. I'm Caleb with your co-host along with my fellow co-host Tarek. Thanks, Tarek. everyone. Stay groovy. We'll catch you next week. See ya. <laughs>